You're listening to the You Don't Know Me Yet Podcast Network. Holly Cotton here, and I am so honored today to be joined by Christopher Scott. And Christopher, I know you have a very unique story. I am very excited to hear about what you're doing from that story. Like I told you before, I try to do a lot of stuff with um, telling the story of life after being a survivor in your own own way. So it's nice to meet you officially. And so start off by just telling us how you got, unfortunately, on this whole path in life. Well, basically in 1987, a friend of mine, Claude Simmons, I met Claude through my girlfriend, his surname is Brandy, and they lived in the same neighborhood. So all of her family and Claude's family, all of them went to school together. So that's how I ended up meeting Claude. And I worked at the local grocery store in the neighborhood called Tom Thumb. And Claude used to come in and uh, talk to me about his drug addiction, he had a drug problem. And me growing up, you know, in a family with you know, eight other siblings. And my older brothers pretty much all used drugs. And I used to watch them and I was like, it's no way in the world I'm gonna do that when I grow up because that don't even look cool. You know what I mean? So um, I used to just tell him exactly what I used to tell my brothers. Like, if you wanna stop using drugs, you gotta pretty much wanna stop using drugs for yourself. That's for one. And then also you got to stop hanging around individuals that's gonna entice you to use drugs. So that is usually the method of our conversation when I talk to them. So I'm at home, it's a Sunday, I'm chilling out with my girlfriend and two kids, and I'm watching the Dallas Cowboys football. And Claude calls me and say, hey man, I need to talk to you about, you know, this issue I'm having. And I turned him down, I'm like, no, dude, you know, it's Sunday, I'm chilling with the family. And it's crazy, this guy called me about seven more times. And now it's late. It's about 10, 30, 10 and 45 at night, the kids in the bed, we watching TV, just chilling, sitting back. And I kind of thought about it. I said, well, maybe I do need to go because I don't want this guy to harm himself or somebody else. I don't want that on my conscience. Right. And I told my girlfriend, I'm gonna go and see what he wants. And I always say, do not tell us before we leave out the door that something bad is gonna happen mm -hmm. because it seems like it always does. It's intuition. It's the intuition, <laughs> it's the female intuition. And she told me that and I'm like, no, it's okay, baby, I'll be back, trust me. Say okay. I got in my car. The drive was about 30, 35 minute drive from me to Claude House. And up on arriving that evening, about five o'clock, is when the murder happened. It was five men and one female, you know, uh, set up a robbery of this drug house. And what had happened, the lady went inside of the drug house to see how much drugs and money they had inside. And once she scoped that out, she went outside and told the guys in the car, like, look, this is what I saw. So two of the guys went inside of the house, which was Alonzo Hardy and D. Mike, Derrick Anderson. And when he walked in, the Hispanic drug dealer recognized D. Mike as being one of the guys that usually commits 
these kind of crimes. So once he noticed, both of them pulled out their guns pretty much at the same time and fired. The Hispanic drug dealer get hit and falls down and die at the scene of the crime while Alonzo and D-Mike runs off with the money and the jury and they're gone. Now me not knowing this happened, so when I entered a neighborhood at around, you know, 11, 11, 15 at night, I see cops everywhere because they haven't caught these guys. Now over the police scanner, it stated two African-American men, one tall, one short, dark complected with a low haircut. And I'm like, you describing half the NFL football, half right. the NBA basketball? That's right. just a very vague description mm -hmm. of who you're looking for. So once I get to the neighborhood and see all the cops, my main thing was let me get Cloud in my car so we can get out of this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I pull up in his driveway, I blow my horn, Cloud get in my car. We make maybe a couple of blocks around the corner. We go to 7-Eleven, I get out and give us a, get us a couple of soft drinks, and we sit in the car for about 15 minutes. And we go through the same thing that I, we go through all the time is about what you need to do to put yourself in a better position where you don't want to use drugs or be enticed by people that use drugs. And that was the moral of the conversation. Now, I see he's come down, he's okay now, I feel like I did my job. So next thing you know, we on our way back to Clark House. Next thing you know, once I turn that corner again, helicopter flies over the car, shines his light. But I'm not really worrying about it because of the fact that we know we haven't did anything. I was just about to say, because yeah. you didn't do anything. Did, so for yeah. you, you like, what y'all doing? Yeah, but, so I kind of like- <laughs> Y'all found him yet? Right, right. So I'm like, man, what's going on here? Right. But I know something major has happened because this is a pretty, you know, middle-class neighborhood. You right. don't see all of these cops in this neighborhood like that. So I was like, man, look, I'm going to hear you up and drop you out. But as soon as I said that, I'm like, we coming north, cop coming south, this female officer turns around. And I'm like, dang, you know, the officer, you know, the right. cop turned around and he was like, so what? I'm like, yes, yeah, okay. So what I did, I said, look, I'm going to park my car in your yard. I'm going to get out. Sit down until everything clears up, then I go home. Mm -hmm. He was like, Yeah, fine. I go inside of his home, I take out my jacket, I start watching TV. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I sit down and start watching TV, maybe a minute later, the cops call the phone. So I'm sitting next to the phone, he tells me to pick it up. And I pick up the phone and say, Hey, the two men that just went in the house, we need y'all to come out. So I'm like, Hey, the cops want us to come out. He said, man, hang the phone up. I hung it up. It's his house. 45 seconds later, they called back. We need y'all to come outside. And I'm like, for what? We need to talk to y'all. I hang the phone up again. So now I'm kind of getting a little nervous because I don't really know what's going on. Right. And how old were you when all this? 25. Oh, yeah. So you don't... I, I have never been in trouble. like Ever, you know, so right. Like, Unless like, you're about that life, right, you yeah. do not know what that yeah. means. So right. I'm like... Outside. And then, so what I did was I got up and I looked out the window. I, See, that's why I put my yeah, 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 So once I looked outside of the window and raised the blinds, then the whole neighborhood was barricaded. You can't, you couldn't come in, you come, couldn't come out. So I was like, 
look, man, you know, it's women and kids in the house. Mm -hmm. Because now the cops walking around the house, mm -hmm. shining flashlights, it's scaring everybody. Right. I'm like, look, let's just go outside and see what they want. Mm -hmm. So next thing you know, we tell them we coming out. Before we could even like stand up, cops run in. It's like nine cops. And every last cop got a gun pointed at me. And I'm and I'm looking, I'm like, what are y'all for one, why do y'all have so many guns drawn? Right. And for two, why are guns drawn on me okay. in the first place? Mm -hmm. And he was like, you don't need to know basis. Come outside, we'll tell you what you need to know. I'm like, damn, okay. I'm like, all right. Right. You know. And then I walk outside, they immediately put me on the ground, along with like four or five other men. So the passing buyers is watching. Mm -hmm. And whoever, whatever African-American man they saw that night that fit that description, they made them lay on the ground on the side of me as well. So now it's about 12 of us laying on the ground. Now, I didn't know that everybody on my right side, well, some of the guys on my right side was the actually guys that committed this crime. Me not even knowing this. So the officer picks me up, takes me to the van and say, look, do you know who this officer is? I'm like, no. Who is that? He said, his name is Columbo. I said, Columbo? He said, yeah, Columbo. He said, have you ever seen that TV show, Columbo? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm old enough. I grew up right. on that show. Right. And then he said, well, you know, Columbo always gets his man. So you will be found guilty of this crime. I'm like, what crime are you talking about? Right, because you don't even know don't what even happened. Know, yeah, I don't even know what you even right. want to question me about or why I was laying even on the ground. So he said, hold your hands out. I held my hands out. He put a plastic bag under my hands and put some liquid substance in it. And they allowed it to drip into the bag. And then they said, well, we're going to escort you to the police car. I said, okay, fine. So I'm sitting in the police car. And the officer tell me, he said, a lady is going to have to come identify you. Here, if she can't identify you, we have to let you go. So I'm like, all right, cool, you know. Because I know I hadn't lived in the world. This lady ain't seen me because my same routine on Sundays is what I was doing. And next thing you know, my girlfriend pulls up. I was just about to say, and for anyone that's listening to the audio of this, reminder, this is 1986. There was no cell phones. Nah, like this was 1996. <laughs> oh, 1996. 96. Still, even, right. you had to be rich to have a cell phone right. in 96. <laughs> Sure. But yeah, yes. so there was no calling. No, there was no calling. So she she pulls up and uh, the cop immediately say, that's her. That's her. And I'm like, that's who? He was like, her. I'm like, that's my girlfriend. We've been at home all day together. What do you mean? He was like, yeah, that's what you say. So they thinking my girlfriend was the lady that actually went inside of the house and set the robbery up. So they immediately handcuff her sit on the ground and then they asked us could they search our cars she drove a different car than me and uh we said sure go ahead do what you got to do so what they was looking for was the clothes that the perpetrators had on because the clothes did not match Natural. me and Clyde right. had on mm -hmm. and they was like well we can't find the clothes mm -hmm. i'm like what clothes y'all talking about they like you know what clothes we talking about i'm like these are the same clothes i had on when I came over here, right. they was like, yeah, okay, whatever, right. And then all of a sudden, like, they say, like, the lady's not going to come identify you here. I'm like, okay, what you going to identify me? Well, we're going to take you to the campus, crimes against persons. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, you're going downtown. 
So I'm like, okay, they gonna eventually figure this out and, and, and get it together. So they take about 15 or 16 of us to jail that night. And uh, once we get there, they put us in one room, but they put the other people on one side of the room so they couldn't be seen. They put me in front of a big glass window, handcuffed me to a bench, and a cop walks the lady up to the window. I couldn't hear, but I could read her lips. And a cop pointed me out, not the, not the lady, the cop said, this is the man that killed your husband. It wasn't a question, it was a statement. Mm -hmm. And she said, see, that's him, that's him. Now, in my mind, I'm like, I know she didn't just say what I see. thought she said. Yeah, <laughs> right. I know she didn't say that. So I'm like, okay, just be cool. So next thing you know, they take me to interrogation room. Mm -hmm. So they start interrogating me like, who do you buy your drugs from? Not a drug seller. Mm -hmm. How much drugs do you buy? I'm not a drug seller. We want the person who you buy your drugs from. No, I'm not a drug seller, so I can't give you nobody. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's right. not what we you do. You, I don't yeah, have the answer. I don't have an answer for what you're looking right. for. Right. So that went on for about two hours. So now I'm getting tired, mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, can I use the restroom? They say, yeah, you can't go nowhere. Now, like I said, I watched enough cop shows. Whatever room you in, once you walk out and you look up the top, at the, up at the top, mm -hmm. that's what you're being questioned about. Yeah. And when I looked up, it said homicide, and I'm like, oh snap, no wonder. So when I go to the bathroom, I was able to put cold water on my face. I'm trying to clear my mind. Right, because you know, now you yeah, all work, yeah, but yeah, now yeah. you're like, oh, it's about to get real. real it's what is about this? to get real, real quick. So. I thought about it, I said, oh, they put that liquid substance in my hand, dripping. they trying to see if I fired a gun. So I was like, okay, I'm cool. I'm straight because I hadn't fired a gun. Right. So as soon as I go back to interrogation room, I say, man, what do y'all really want to know? They say, we don't want to know nothing no more. Stand up, put your hand behind your back, you're going to jail for capital murder. I say, what? He say, yeah, put your hand behind your back, you're going to jail for capital murder. I'm like, but I hadn't did anything. Right. I, I hadn't, heard, I didn't, I haven't harmed anyone. Right. He said, yeah, but that lady said you did. What lady? The lady that just saw you. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, that lady didn't pick me out. The police officer picked me out. Right. And he was like, we don't want to hear it. Come on. As soon as we leave the interrogation room, an officer stops me. He said, I want to talk to Mr. Scott alone. Officer pulls me to the side and say, I do not believe you committed this crime. And he said, I'm gonna tell you why. He said, five minutes prior to that lady seeing you, we put you in the lineup, she couldn't even pick you out. Mm -hmm. And when I asked her why, she said she was scared. And I was like, scared of who? She said, scared of him. He was like, Mr. Scott? She was like, yeah. And he was like, how can you be scared of a man that's locked up behind a door, mm -hmm. handcuffed, and you like behind this door with numerous of officers surrounding you. How could you be scared? I'm scared of it. He said, there's one reason. He said, for two, he said, look, Mr. Scott. He said, man, you're well-dressed. You're well-groomed. You're well-spoken. You're driving a nice car, and you, we found uncast paycheck stubs in your back pocket. He said, this is not the type of crime that fits somebody of your caliber. Right. His exact words was, this is the type of crime that fits a dope fiend. Right. 
And I'm like, yeah, but they telling me I'm going to jail. He said, yeah, you're going to jail for capital murder. He said, but this is what I can tell you to do. Subpoena me to court, and I would tell the courts that it's not one shred of evidence linking you to this crime, but her word, and that's it. So now, I don't trust you because I'm already going to jail for a crime I didn't commit. Mm -hmm. So now, they, I go to jail, get arraigned, give me a million dollar bond, the officer comes a million get, dollar yeah, yeah, million dollar bond million dollar bond the officer come gets me and say hey your girlfriend want to talk to you and I'm gonna allow you to talk to her mm -hmm. and she said hey they saying you killed somebody and I'm like really do right. you actually believe that, that? I killed somebody yeah. right she like no I do not believe that she said well hopefully they'll figure it out loud and we'll know exactly what happened everybody in the neighborhood knew who committed the crime everybody right. that's how it is yeah. though you everybody always know yeah. pookie did yeah, it yeah, exactly <laughs> pookie ray ray did right. that right that's how just like pookie right mm -hmm. so i go back to Masaya and here my they send me attorney he says life or death situation that's capital murder mm -hmm. he life or death I'm like, and I didn't even know what Captain Murder was. I was meant. just about to say that 25, because yeah, I'm a 23 year old, and if someone told him about Capital right, Murder, right. he would be like, huh? huh? Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, man, all my older brothers got in trouble, mm -hmm. but never to that extent of, you know, you know right. killing somebody. And I was like, man, Capital Murder. So my attorney comes to see me, we talked for a little bit, and I told him, I said, look, who the polygraph test? Mm -hmm. He like, hey, they in the midst of it in court a lot. I'm like, so what? If I take it and pass it, then what they could say? They'll have some kind of, you know, inclination that this man probably did not, you know, commit mm -hmm. this crime if he passed his polygraph test on the barometer of we he's we feel like he's really telling the truth because you know that's how the lie detector reads it. Right. And in the nineties that was like before CSI exactly. and all these shows right. came out. Right. So polygraph was right. like the popular thing to do to right. prove your innocence. innocence. Exactly. So he told me, he said, No, I'm not gonna give it to you. And I'm like, why? And he said, Because you may fail. I said, How am I gonna fail something and I'm telling you I didn't do it? That means I'm innocent. He said, Well I'm gonna disregard and I'm gonna tell the courts don't give it to you. Right then, I knew my attorney actually mm -hmm. felt like I either committed the crime or, or had someone to, mm -hmm. or had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. So now I'm looking like it's no way this guy gonna represent me to the fullest. So in my mind, I'm like, whatever judge I get, mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to reach out to this judge and be like, hey, this attorney don't even believe me, you know, mm -hmm. at the gate. So it's no way he's gonna represent me. You know, to the best of his ability, and especially he's court appointed. He's not a paid an attorney. So now I'm sitting in jail, and I'm woke up the next morning, and I call my girlfriend, and everybody in the neighborhood seen. Oh, it was it was Alonzo Hardy and D Mike. Everybody know who it was. Mm -hmm. Everybody trying to go to the police station and clear it up, but don't know police want to hear about it, mm -hmm. and. The guy who actually pulled the trigger, you know, we called him D Mike. He went crying home. He went home crying to his girlfriend. Hey, I just killed this Hispanic drug dealer. I'm gonna leave town, but I would. I need you to do is go to the police station and tell them folks they got the wrong people. Mm -hmm. Ain't one of them guys ain't did that. So even that, she went down there and told them that, and they told her to leave from down there. If she ever come down there and make a statement like that again, she's going to jail. Mm -hmm. 
So now, everything that we have in our favor mm-hmm. to try to get us acquitted, the courts don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. So now I'm in jail about six months. The ballistic re- report came back because, well, I'm in jail about two weeks. Now the forensics that came back, I'm not the killer. Mm-hmm. I didn't shoot a gun because it came up negative. So what did they do? They say, since you didn't kill him, yo, the guy in the car you was with killed him. They went and picked up Cloud Simmons two weeks later and said, you are the shooter. Because you know why? They feel like they, they couldn't get no gunpowder for residue off of him because it was too two late. Two weeks later, right. It's too late. So now, you know, it's nothing they can do about it. So yeah, they go get him, put him in jail. Now both of us in jail for capital murder. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, since I'm not the shooter, why am I still in jail? So it's crazy. They reindict me. They they put the capital murder on it, and then they added aggravated sexual assault. And I'm like, he like, yeah, you just got reindicted. I'm like, reindicted for what? You know, aggravated sexual assault with the capital murder. I'm like, who was I was supposed? To? He said, well, when the lady when they was robbing the house, his wife was there. When they were searching her, they was like, they start fondling this woman, you know, trying to find money or with drugs or whatever on her body. So now it's sexual, aggravated sexual assault. I'm like, man, look, I've seen the lady that claims that I committed this crime. And I wasn't trying to be funny. I said, have you looked at her? <laughs> right, nobody's sexually assaulted. I said, no, I said. <laughs> she ain't a sexual assault it's type. type. Exactly. And I'm like, dude, have you seen my girlfriend? Right. She's beautiful. Right. You know what I mean? I'm like, come on, dude. Really? Right. Do I look like the guy that needs to sexually assault a woman? Right. I'm like, man, my mama did not raise me that mm-hmm. way. So now he's like, well, we got to go to trial. And this kind of was the worst part for me because now you have to pick people mm-hmm. that actually is going to determine your fate of your life now. Mm-hmm. So now I'm looking like, man, I hope I get a jury that's going to be able to understand mm-hmm. the position of me. Mm-hmm. And we went through four different jury panels. And everybody was saying, we cannot find Mr. Scott guilty on your one, on mm-hmm. just her word alone. We need right. physical evidence. Then one black woman got up and said, oh, I can't be on the jury panel. Just said, why? Me and Mr. Scott used to date. Never saw this lady a day in my life. I'm like, are you kidding me? And now my girlfriend is sitting behind me and I'm like, man, I don't know this chick. Mm-hmm. I don't know her. She's like, okay, that's another time we'll talk about right. that later. <laughs> right. I'm like, but I don't know this right. woman. And then like, we picked through Mojiri panels, everybody said they couldn't do it. One African-American man got up and said, I confirm Mr. Scott guilty just on her word alone. I was like, dude, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Dude, we the same? Right. You ain't seeing the color? Right. Come on, bro. I, and I'm telling you, if looks could kill, he'd have dropped dead because right. the look I gave him. <laughs> I bet. I'm like, bro, really? After he said that, 10 minutes later, I got all white jury panel. Judge's white. Prosecutor white. My attorney's white. Second in the prosecutor chair's white. All 12 jury members white. And I was like, "It's no way I'm gonna get a fair trial, right? With the deck being oh, stacked, this, right, this, right. you know, this high against me." 
So the judge asked me, why shouldn't we see the death penalty? Mm -hmm. And I was like, how could you kill an innocent man? Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? You just saved your own life today. We're not going to kill you, but we're going to give you a capital life sentence. Now, this is from the jury for the trial even started. You already telling people that what you're, you're going to give right. this to me. So you already swing the jury right. in, in mm -hmm. your favor. So now I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And not only that, to type it out, she read the letter out loud that I wrote to her about my attorney. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, Miss Scott, in, you know, in September of this year, you wrote me and told me you didn't like your attorney because you felt like he actually believed. I was like, really late. Like, right. I'm, I'm like. In Louisiana, we call that loud capping. Yeah. I, 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 I can imagine. I'm like, lady. You going to loud cap me like, like that? Like that. Like, you just going to. You just gonna put, put my, my business out, street. right? And this man got to represent me, so I'm like, it's no way, right? This clown, yeah, because now, now he's now, like, now, oh, now, that's yeah, what you yeah, were talking about yeah, behind yeah, my back, yeah. And then I was like, oh my god. And then the judge was like, she was really playing up to the jury. She said, I want Mr. Scott to stand up, and I want his attorney to stand up. And I'm like, what's going on? She said, now I guarantee you, Mr. Scott's suit costs more money than his attorney's suit. And I'm like, what? Right. Like, what? What does that have to do with right. anything dealing with what I'm going through right, right now? What does that mean? She's swearing and jeering. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's do it. So, right. Like why he got money? Right. He doing right. It? Right. Mm -hmm. So, the police, the lieutenant of the police force, come to my trial and tell the judge, Your Honor, you have the wrong two men in prison, in jail. He held up the pictures of D. Mike and Alonzo and say these are the men that actually committed the crime. Mm -hmm. The judge told him to get out of her courtroom. She don't want to hear it because it's hearsay. And I'm asking my attorney, but isn't this the same thing the woman is saying is hearsay? That's hearsay as well. Right. But they don't want to hear about that being hearsay. But this is a police lieutenant mm -hmm. that patrols this neighborhood. He patrols that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Every cop, pretty much every cop that was there that night, shops at this grocery store I works in. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they would come in and ask me to go in the back and get fresh fruit and fresh vegetables for them. Mm -hmm. You know, make sure we get some fresh fruit and fresh vegetables. Right. I'm like, I got you. Don't worry about it. I, right. I'll take care of you. So I'm they know else. that you're... So they know I'm an honest, hard-working right. man. And that's why the lieutenant was like, these guys did not commit this crime. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you who did it. And like four hours later, I was convicted of capital murder. Four hours later. Capital murder trial usually lasts a month. Uh, I was going to say, two right. Months. Yeah, mine lasted. They needed to go deliberate for right. a while. Yeah, so mine lasted for four hours. Deliberation lasted for 30 minutes. Now I'm sentenced to a capital life sentence in prison, you know, for a crime I didn't commit. And it was funny, my judge asked me, Scott, do you have anything else to say? I was like, yeah, for one, I would like to hug my family. She said, I need opportunity. And I told her, I said, one day I'll be back in this courtroom giving this time back because you just wrongfully convicted the wrong person. Mm -hmm. And that was it. You know, it, it was so bad that I couldn't even cry. Like my soul and heart would just snatch. That's what I was going to ask you. I was I was going to say that I know you've told that story so many times right. about the logistics of right. it. But what about 
how does a person think? Like, what were the thoughts in your head? How were you processing it? Like, that that's a great way you were saying that. It feels like you just, like, all of a sudden you were dead. Because yeah. we see all these things all the time, mm -hmm. but you don't know what the person is feeling. You just right. know A plus B, and this right. is what happens. Right. So you just what's your thought process? process like, when that first night you spent the, the night whenever you got convicted like what are some of the things that people don't realize that right. people are thinking man like i was you know the, it, and it's crazy because when you look at i was like a light switch went on came on now it's strictly about survival because now i'm laying in the bed thinking i'm gonna go to prison 25 I'm a hundred and like 40 pounds skinny. I'm a real little guy. So I'm like, man, I'm gonna have to go and deal with these guys in prison. And I feel like, like, you know, I'm from the hood. I know how to fight. I know how to protect myself and defend myself. Right. But putting yourself in that position of not knowing and never being in this and kind of position. And then they have the clicks and everything yeah, in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you like, uh, how am I gonna be able to defend myself? amongst these kind of guys that already been here for some time. And you hear the stories about prison life. And I'd sit in the counter for maybe two more months and now I'm being shipped out to prison. And one of the worst things I, I could encounter, they put all of us, like a hundred men in one big tank. And it was like, you know, how Western guys, you know, run down and cattle and rope them like in, 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 in mm -hmm. things like that. So I'm sitting on the floor and you just hear them slide like a hundred handcuffs across the floor. You hear this sound and that's the sound of them letting you know your time here is pretty much over. Once I put these handcuffs on you, it's a whole different ball game right. for you. And it just kind of like snapped me back into reality. the jail is was what, like the bunk bed sort of? No, this in? was like a big room like this with like a hundred men sitting in it and we waiting to get on the oh, bus okay. and go Got, to prison. Right. But you're gonna hear them slide those right. handcuffs across the floor. Mm -hmm. And you hearing that, it kind of like just brings you back into reality like, this is really finna happen. Mm -hmm. And that's how, that when when you said it, it reminded me of like when I was watching like Amistad right. with the slaves. And oh, shit. <laughs> it's in motion like. Oh, okay. okay. With the slaves, when they, right. like they just put everybody's legs right. in the shackles right. or something. So that's what we do is like 50 men chain together. Mm -hmm. We walk out, we sit on the bus and just think about it, you know, you see in Dallas County, you know, downtown Dallas, mm -hmm. probably for the last time ever, because now I got a capital life sentence. Mm -hmm. I got to do 40 years day for day before I'm eligible for parole. So now I'm thinking about this 40 years. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like, I'm aggravated. I'm, I'm an aggravated black man, yes, you know what I mean? Right. So, and then at least, and innocent, at least right. if you had right. done the crime, you'd be I like, be you know okay. what? I did that. I did do that. I do the crime, right. do the time. So I'm with it, you know. And, you know, riding to this prison, I was like, man, what is, what is this going to be like? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even cry. I'm so hurt. It's like I'm soulless. Like, a song, you know, it's one song saying, you know, I got an icebox where my heart mm -hmm. used to be. It's cold, man. That heart is mm -hmm. ice cold. So... 
drive was like a two hour and maybe two hour and 15. Yeah, because they drive. make you go all the yeah. way out in the country somewhere. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. like two, two and a half hours from Dallas. Mm-hmm. And once you get to, you know, certain part, you don't see nothing but fields, green mm-hmm. trees, and you like, this is the last time I may ever see this city again. So, you know, I swallow my bearings and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I got this razor sharp focus now. Mm-hmm. Like, you better stay razor sharp right. focused. And we pull up to this prison. Oh my God, it's this big brick building with a lot of glass. Mm-hmm. And as I get off the bus, I look up, you have guards on gun I was towers. Just, I, thought that's what yeah. you, I thought you was about to say yeah. you see everybody with the guns. Yeah, you mm-hmm. see the guard tower and you look up, they got AK-47s pointed at you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is my life for the next 40 plus years. Mm-hmm. This is what I have to endure because Dallas County Criminal Justice Department got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going into this building, this prison, it's like once you walk in, you hear that final click of that bar. Mm-hmm. Doom. You're like, that's it. You walk down the hallway, you smelling all these different kind of disinfectants. Mm-hmm. You smelling pine saw, you smelling bleach. Because as prisoners, we got to keep this prison clean because this is where we live at. Mm-hmm. You know, we lay our head here. So for the next years, this is what I'm going to have to endure. And you know, going to my cell block, I was like, oh my God, now my freedom is took. Mm-hmm. I have no more control over my life. Every day, 24 hours a day, somebody is telling me what I can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not used to not having my freedom. Right. Freedom is the best choice and the best thing about it all is right. freedom. Because mm-hmm. you can be able to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And once I got there, I was like, I got to start some kind of foundation for myself to kind of like keep me out of trouble. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I worked in the field for like four years. Hot, 110, 15 degree weather, you going out no matter what. And then you got to come inside of the building where it's even hotter in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because Texas prison doesn't have air conditioning. Oh, okay. No, they do not, no. No, you do not have air conditioning. We in Texas. And and so you can imagine. (laughs) 120 degrees inside. Yeah, it gets so hot to where we have to put sheets over the front of our cell to keep Mm -hmm. the sun out. And they like, no, you can't do that because if you do that, we're going to write you a case. So now you're like, you know, this is humane. This is inhumane for us to be treated this way. So I say, okay, what what I got to do is like build this foundation. So I say, once I got out the field, I said, I need to work in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I need to put on weight. So I started working in the kitchen. I said, okay, next thing is I got to start lifting weights. Mm-hmm. I started lifting weights. I read about three books per week. Mm-hmm. And then I got back into soap operas. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because like growing up, my mom used to watch soap operas. I used to sit around and mm-hmm. watch it with her. Mm-hmm. And it's mandatory in prison. People think like, no, soap operas are mandatory in prison. There's three things that's mandatory. Sports, news, and soap operas. Okay. <laughs> you see the baddest of the baddest in prison while soap, soap operas. Soap operas. I sit on the, pretty much in the, on the same fence 
for 13 years and watch General Hospital mm. every day without being bothered. <laughs> right. Because they know messing with that TV when the soap opera is on, you're looking for some trouble. And the main thing it was for me is like, I really want to go and have that first fight. Mm -hmm. I want to get it out of my system. I want to show these boys what I, I, right, what I right. can do. If you want to try me. Right. You know, yeah, go and try me. So it's always a big guy trying to let a guy. And you know, you got, like you say, you got all these cliques, you got all these, you got the blood, you got the cribs, you got gangs of disciples, you got so many different kind of gangs in there, and now you're a civilian. Right. You're like, now, I'm gonna fight him now, what, right. you know, what do I right. gotta now, do? Right, now you on the hit list with everyone. <laughs> exactly, so you like, should I throw this fight? Right. Let this dude beat me up, or, mm -hmm. no, nah, dude, I'm from the hood, we did this mm -hmm. every day, so no, nah, you, you, they gonna be that easy. And it's a true sin. If you haven't seen your friends in forever, it's either two places they at, they either dead or in prison. Mm -hmm. And I found that out, you know, the right way. Because once me and this guy had a fight and I beat him, they was like, man, that little dude did that to mm -hmm. JJ. Like, what? And right. they like, oh, yeah. So I'm from Oak Cliff. Mm -hmm. Now we pretty much control the population of the prison. I was going to say, now, I'm not from Dallas. I'm in Houston, but I have heard Oak Cliff is yeah, not it's, to it's, be yeah, messed with. Exactly. So <laughs> now, after all of that happened, I'm walking on the red yard. Mm -hmm. And my middle name is Sean. Mm -hmm. And anybody that grew up with me from a child to now, that's what they call me. They don't call me Christopher. People that I've met recently called me Christopher. Mm -hmm. And I'm walking around the wreck yard, I hear my name Sean called mm -hmm. like what? And it's a guy that I grew up with mm -hmm. in the neighborhood. We went to school together. And he was like, hey, I heard you had a fight with such and such, such and such. Don't worry about it's taken care of. Mm -hmm. Ain't nothing gonna happen. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you're from the cliffs. Right. So we gonna ride or die together. So then I was like, Okay, right. I feel better. Now you can survive. Now I, I, now I feel better. But it's like, I don't want that to be the long reason people respect me. Now right. you don't respect me because of who I am as a man. Right, right. Not about where I come from. But you know hey, what I mean? for but, anybody that needs it, don't we ain't hating on right, it. Right, you right. Might. Right. Now, <laughs> no, guys do need protection right. because I have put protection on certain people that come to prison and get taken advantage of, especially younger African-American mm -hmm. men. You have predators in prison that looks for young guys to try to get up under young guys mm -hmm. and soon as you give them something, they want something in return. Mm -hmm. So you like, no, bro, I ain't gonna allow y'all to just do how Right. You know, these are black young kids. We are not gonna allow you mm -hmm. to make punks out of these guys. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna happen. Before you do, you're gonna have to run through us, you 